present in this space and building out a meaningful community space is just as important as learning where to put a comma or how to capitalize your sentence. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. So welcome to today's episode. And we have a special treat today because we get to talk about one of my all-time favorite things in the world of education, and that is middle school. So many people shy away from middle school. They're like, oh, no, not middle school. And I'm like, yes, let's talk about middle school because middle school is awesome. And to be perfectly honest, in my own mind, that is where we make or break kids is in middle school. And we have so much opportunity and potential as it relates to their futures at that particular time in their lives. And so I'm super, super jazzed today because we have Andrew Raven and Denise Daniels uh, to talk with us about middle school, in particular, their middle school uh, workshop middle school, uh, which is in New York. So welcome to you both. Thanks. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so just a bit of context for our listeners who come from all over the world. Um, Andrew um, is the founder and head of school at Workshop Middle School. Um, And Andrew is deeply committed to social change. And for seven years, he worked in community social services in both New York and Chicago, which I suspect provides a lot of foundational um, sort of thinking for him in terms of his world in education, um, where he has spent more than 15 years um, working in New York City public schools, including 10 years as a classroom teacher, five years as a lead teacher or a literacy coach, and now three years in school leadership. Um, So Andrew, we're excited to have you here. Happy to be here. Uh, I always love talking about this work because it means so much. Mm -hmm. It's hard work, but it matters. It it does indeed matter. And joining um, Andrew is Denise Daniels, um, who is the co-founder and director of learning also at the Workshop Middle School with more than 22 years of experience in education as a teacher, a staff developer, a curriculum designer, an instructional coach, and a school leader. Um, So Denise, um, we're happy to have you be part of this conversation. Glad to be here. Glad to amplify this conversation and modernize it. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate that. All right. So let's just dig right in. So, um, and either one of you you guys could take turns deciding who gets to to grab the question, but let's start for our listeners. Again, they come from all over the world. So set a little bit of context for us first and foremost, what exactly is workshop middle school and why? Well, Workshop Middle School is 100% um, about time. It's a school where innovative, creative, passionate young thinkers get to come and actually, as I like to say, exercise their superpowers. In the, so no more worksheets. Let's actually take a look at this thing that you're supposed to be learning during middle school and actually apply it to things that mean something in the world, right? Let's change something. Let's build something. Let's create something so that we can actually see not only what it looks like when we're learning outside of the classroom, but what it looks like when our learning can actually change the world. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that we can almost need to say that all over again because everybody needs to hear that, right? At past, you know, we are our, our, our motto is linking learning to life. We mean that, right? Because otherwise, there's no context for anything that we're asking all of these kids Indeed. to do. Yeah, I love it. 100%. And, and we believe additionally that this developmental period, this age range, is essential to this world because right at this time is when young people develop the cognitive capacity to think about really abstract and complicated things, but they still need the concrete grounded context that can help them make those connections. And that happens by connecting our interests, our passions, our real lives to this work so that no student ever has to say, why are we learning this? Exactly. Why does this matter? It's, what does this have to embedded. do with me? Yeah. Exactly. It's embedded in everything they do exactly. because learning really matters, right? But it's not about trying to convince them that learning matters because an adult tells them so. It's about helping them feel it, touch it, work it every day. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've always, I've always said that I think that the greatest win when we know when we get it right is when, when parents, you know, are, are now having to beg their kids to come home from school, right. Rather than trying to force them out the door, right. That's, that's what makes it so special. You know, at past, we have a fair number of programs and we have one in particular that we do, and we do it middle school through high school in on robotics. And what I love about the program, the reason I know it works is because at one o'clock in the morning during the big giant competition and build season, I have to beg the kids to please go home so we can lock the doors, right? Yeah. That's, that's how you know. Yeah. Yes. yeah, the other day we were just, it was like two hours after school and we we're just kind of like having conversations with the kids. And like one kid was like, oh my God, I'm sitting around talking with my teacher like two hours after school. <laughs> I should, right? It's like, but when those things happen yeah. naturally, the relationships, yeah. The commitment to work that leads to learning. It's awful. Let's let's be transparent. Teachers and educators and parents, we all have the same goal. Mm-hmm. What we need to do we need to step back and say, what do we know really helps kids get there? Mm-hmm. And at this point in 2021, there is been enough evidence. That's quantitative research, qualitative research, our own professional experience to know works and this works. That's the bottom line. Yeah. And it also transfers, right? It transfers. The other thing that is really powerful is when we get parents that say, what did you do to my kid? My kid is doing chores all of a sudden. My kid is curious and helping my younger, um, their younger siblings on Mm -hmm. these projects. What are you doing to my kid? And it's like, we're actually giving them the space to explore. Mm -hmm. And those skills transfer 100%. They absolutely do. And, and, and I've had that, that been on the receiving end of that phone call myself. And I do agree with you how incredibly powerful it is. And again, it's one of those, those metrics that says, oh my gosh, we are absolutely on the right track. So let's dig into the weeds just a little bit. So help yeah. our listeners understand sort of the structure, the context of how the school works outside of it's all about kids. It's all hands-on. It's all applied. It's all that. But, but let, let's talk a little bit about the structural components yeah. of sort of what's in place or what's the philosophical sort of perspective in which you come to, you know, the thinking about a school day and how you break it up and and what's meaningful and what's not meaningful. 
Yep. So I think there's there's two things that I'd want to talk about. One is schools should really be matched to who our students really are. Mm -hmm. They should be matched to our developmental stages. Early childhood is different than late childhood, is different than early adolescence and so on. And so it's really not about one right fit formula for all grades. Mm -hmm. What we try to do is identify the best practices, highest leverage approaches to this age group, and then work into that. So the second part of that answer is, okay, what are early adolescents like? Part of it we spoke about, which is they're able to transition to more abstract ideas, but that hands-on grounding. Mm -hmm. P.S., That's for almost all of us as early adolescents. It's not just for kids Mm -hmm. who parents are like, oh yeah, my kid loves Legos. Yes, but it's also a way that's just naturally developmental for this age group. The second thing is almost everything is about them. Yes. (laughs) And when we fight against that, we get kids who don't do work, who don't like school, who don't care about their learning. But when we lean into that, to not just projects about them, but projects where they have choice and voice. Right. Exactly. And they're able, even if they didn't know about it or think about it in the beginning, they're able to find their own natural ways in. And that matters a lot. So logistically speaking, things like we start later in the day. So school for us starts at 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. because the adolescent brain is I mean, so groggy. So why start school at 730? Like getting them out of the bed at is already a chore. So now we're going to do advanced math. Probably not. Well, and so um, we also understand that in the morning, we might have a little bit more focus. So our major or our core classes are in the morning. Then after lunch, kids get a little bit more antsy and squirrely. We have more self-directed or choice-driven courses that go on in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. So again, working with the way that young adolescents present rather than against it because it's easier for us or that's the way that we've always done it. Right, right, which we hear all the time. Well, it was fine for me. Why do we need to change this? I hear that from parents all the time. Or you hear from school districts, well, no, that's not how we do things here. Well, that's awesome, except that your chess course tell me that it's not working. So why are we still doing it that way, right? Exactly. And you know, I just want to identify a few other things. Relationships matter at this age. Mm -hmm. There's limits to the amount of relationships that human beings can hold meaningfully at any given point. So small schools and small classrooms matter. Yeah. Because young people need to be seen and they need to be heard. We need to be able to catch them doing good Mm -hmm. as well as we need to identify what their struggles are. It's also incredibly important that middle schools give considerable time to socio-emotional learning. So we have two hours every day, an hour in um, small group advisories, a half an hour at the beginning of the day and half an hour at the end of the day when we come together as whole schools or whole grades, because being present in this space and building out a meaningful community space is just as important as learning where to put a comma or how to capitalize your sentence. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. I'm, I'm really curious to also within the structure of, so you're, the school is based in Brooklyn in, in New York is, mm-hmm. and is the school part of the New York city school system 
or is it completely independent? How, how does it, how does it work? Cause you, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about the fact that, you know, students are, are now opting into, um, from the, from the school into a high school experience. And so that's a whole process, um, in New York. And so help our listeners sort of understand the context of the relationship between, um, the workshop school and everything else that's going on within New York city schools. So New York City Public Schools uh, is its own thing. Um, many times it's a case study because it is quite a unique um, ecosystem. And so um, both of us are actually, um, the majority of our professional um, experience comes from being New York City Department of Education teachers, right? Public school teachers. And there is magic and um, joy and wonder in there. But we notice more and more that things were just so formulaic and there were ways in which we wanted to move and discover. And as we moved up, you know, but, you know we both kind of started off as classroom teachers and went on to do more and more things, we kept realizing that there were bumps in the road, bumps in the road. And so we thought, oh, we want to do something different. And so because we were able to um, have a little bit more freedom and because we were able to have a little bit more say in the ways in which we were able to keep our class sizes small and make sure that we had truly diverse classrooms so that we had real conversations with everyone at the table, then we decided to be an independent school. And I think if I can just build off that last point for a second, we believe that diversity and equity improve education, that when students have access to adults and other children from different cultural and socioeconomic backgrounds, we learn more by being together, that the learning is more rich, it's more complex, and we become better human beings for understanding different perspectives. So even though we're an independent school, we provide 80% of our students with financial aid. Mm -hmm. Roughly 40% of our students are Title I, which means they would qualify for free or reduced price lunch. So that commitment is part and parcel of who we were. Mm -hmm. Just to highlight what Denise is saying, we believed in the mission of public schools but we needed to build our vision outside of public yeah. schools. Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful way to express that, right? Because that is one of the big conundrums. I think that a lot of folks that are looking to innovate bump up against, and they struggle with figuring out how can I honor the public school system as an idea, which I, I, as an individual fully believe in wholeheartedly that we must have this. And then what an amazing gift we have in our country that we have this public school system that's free for all um, who want to choose it. However, how do I, how do I then be my most innovative and creative self and actually be able to create working models that that bigger system could potentially learn from me? Right. Inside and outside. So I love the way you, you, you crafted that. And because it's don't hate the player, hate the game. Yes. Right. That's right. what they right. used to say. Right. Yeah, right. There are, the system is filled with amazing people mm -hmm. and even a wonderful, an amazing amount of wonderful ideas. But the way that the system is structured right now is to promote efficiency over efficacy. Right. Correct. And what we want to do is help promote 
other approaches that work. So there may always be some percentage of families that want to go to big box schools. And that's great. Mm-hmm. We're not out to tear them down. Right. But we believe that more students and more families, and if I can say, especially students from traditionally disadvantaged communities, mm-hmm. have more access to more progressive and more innovative education. Because too often those schools only get directed towards more white or more wealthy mm-hmm. communities. We believe everybody deserves access to more innovative and more progressive schools. Yeah, yep, we believe absolutely. In schools. It's yeah. about right fit schools. Absolutely. And that, that is, that is one of, I think the, the single most important pieces of the bigger global, you know, transformative school conversation is that if it doesn't fit within the community where it sits, if it doesn't meet the needs of the students that are trying to be part of it, and if it's not equitable and inclusive, we are never, ever, ever going to be able to change the paradigm that we are all working uh, to make better. Um, So I truly, truly appreciate that. Absolutely. So I want to talk just a little bit then about the mechanism. So as as you're founding the school and you're getting up and running and and now you're you're a couple of years in, in, in the space, but I also get the sense that part of the work that you, that that you're intentional about is the fact that there are so many lessons that could be learned inside of the of the 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 workshop middle school that how do you take these lessons learned these amazing things that are happening or even the things that were just an absolute disaster because i know they they existed right but how do you take the learning because we all do oh my gosh yeah i I could write a book just about if i had only known or next time right Um, but but my my question is really how do you take those 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 grand opportunities where teaching and learning happen side by side i have no doubt and you make them accessible so they can, in fact, impact that bigger, broader ecosystem, even if it's just in, within your own region. How do you how do you do that? I think the the most important way that we've tried to do that as the school is by connecting through a shared network mm-hmm. of other innovative mm-hmm. schools mm-hmm. and other innovative school leaders. Mm-hmm. Because when you're a fish stream. Everything's everything is water pushing you back. Mm-hmm. But when you're in a school of fish, you have a purpose and you have a destination. Mm-hmm. So when we were founding our school, Denise and I traveled across the country to try to learn from other visionaries. We didn't have a sense of exactly who or what yet. But what we really discovered in all of our travels was that there's more amazing things and more amazing schools that exist than people know about. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But everyone is in this silo because we're all fighting our own battles in our local Mm -hmm. community. And the idea was, what if we got these amazing people together, Mm -hmm. still allowed every school to be who they are and to follow their thread and their vision? So we established something called the Innovative Schools Cooperative, Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. both an online Slack community as well as an in-person annual conference where our founders and our school leaders get together and we share what our problems are mm-hmm. where they can look at us without makeup they can look at us with all mm-hmm. of our you know changes oh, and yeah. real people and we can talk about that honestly because we spend so much time and energy trying to sell the world on the vision mm-hmm. we need 
the backroom support and opportunities to connect with each other and grow and be fed by other ideas and other people. Yeah, you, uh, you, you need the, the safety. You need the safety yes. of the behind yes. the curtain, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Another way that we're um, looking to uh, make sure that this work is moving in the community, right? And in the bigger uh, conversation is we're hosting professional development. So this past summer, we had um, uh, other educators that were able to join us as we looked at social emotional learning. And what does that look like when you articulate a dedicated advisory program? And then we were able to partner that with some deep dive into project based learning. Mm-hmm. Because then this idea of, you know, things happening in silos doesn't work as in schools, but it certainly doesn't work in classroom to classroom. So we're making sure that the best practices actually go out into the world so that people, whatever that means for them, right, whatever Mm -hmm. context that they're in, no matter what things you might be facing in terms of um, constraints or roadblocks per se, that there is still something that you can do, right? You can always start somewhere. And so social emotional learning advisory and project-based learning was this year's summer institute. And it was so, so powerful in that they were educators that actually stopped and said, I've used to do this on my own, but now we have a network. Yeah. And it does make a huge difference. And um, I've actually interviewed a number of different um, innovative schools that are part of your, your network um, oh, on this right? program. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, I love that entire <laughs> ecosystem. So every chance we get to grab another one, oh, let's tell their story, right? Because oh, that's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And the reason is because it is so mission aligned, right? I mean, the selfish, the absolute selfish full transparency is that the work that you're doing and your collection of, of, of innovative schools as part of your network are doing is so incredibly um, mission aligned and philosophically aligned to everything that the PASS Foundation stands for and the work that we've been doing over the last almost 22 years now. And so it's, it's, it's quite frankly, it's comfortable because it's a language that we understand and it's an advocacy and an efficacy um, from the teaching and learning in space that we, we know, back to something you guys both started with at the beginning of this conversation, we know this works. Right. Exactly. So we want to be able to highlight and talk about that as often as we possibly can, because, you know, to your point, Denise, there are teachers, we meet them all the time because there are incredible teachers out in the world and they are doing amazing things. And they're often doing these amazing things with a life and a classroom and a building filled with constraints. And yet they still rise above that because it's the best thing to do for their children. And because they have figured out in many ways how to work the system so that the passion that they bring into that room or into that moment every single day is the passion that they lead with. And yet that's not easy to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here's the thing. This isn't about a kid and it's not about a teacher and it's not about a school. It's about a movement. Right. It's about it's about being a movement that helps more families and more kids and more teachers know this possible. Because when we start to crack open and help people understand this can work in real life, Mm -hmm. you can do this. It it shows that that they can do it too. You know, it's like the same idea as representation matters. Mm -hmm. If we see some that we can relate to being successful in the world that helps give us strength and voice that we can do it too. And what we really want is not that our school is successful. Of course we want that. Don't get me wrong. But what we really want is we want to change the game. Mm -hmm. That's our real goal. We want 
other people, other individuals that are like me or like Denise to say, hey, maybe I can do this too. And you can. If you're listening, you can. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. You absolutely can. You know, at the end of the day, we're talking about a full on systems change, you know, um, a, a complete and utter recalibration of everything that we think we understand and know about teaching and learning and its place in the world of today and of the future, as opposed to like we mentioned before, we've always done it this, this way. Well, that was 150 years ago and it was necessary and designed yeah. perfectly for that moment. Yes. But we are mm-hmm. long since past its expiration date, right? <laughs> as it relates to relevancy for community and for kids. So, you know, just sort of circle back around sort of on the heels of that idea, which uh, I, you know, I, I get we're, we're all in alignment on um, what, when you sit back and think about the the work that you've done thus far and the work that you're in, you know, neck deep right now, but you think about sort of that, that aspiration, the what next, I'm sure you guys get asked this question all the time, but it really, you know, sort of from a philosophical or fundamental sort of perspective for asking that question, what is it that, that you, you want Right. As you, you think about what's going on with these kids and the fact that, you know, you're, you're, you're creating a space where, in fact, parents do have to say, OK, we got to come home now. You know, it's time to leave school <laughs> two hours afterwards. Yeah. You know, what, what what is that? What is the next iteration of this that translates? I think the most important part of what we do is we give parents and young adults permission Mm -hmm. to make mistakes and learn that we shouldn't have to wait until we're in our twenties to learn real life lessons. Mm -hmm. But if we started that snowball rolling earlier where we understood that human beings are imperfect, Mm -hmm. but good people who want to learn and grow and be good to other people. So let's build a context for our lessons where they can fail and they can stand back up stronger and better than before. That they can have body changes and emotion changes and social changes. And that that's okay. You know, this is a weird example, but so many of us who become parents never understand how hard it really is to be the perfect parents that everybody is supposed to be. And if we just talk more honestly about this work, Mm -hmm. about the failures and the mistakes that are endemic to every day of our lives, that's a strength. That's not a weakness. And so I think the next step is helping people understand that early adolescence is so important. And the most important part of it is knowing that we're imperfect people who can learn and grow from mistakes. Um, when we get this question, typically at um, open houses, mm-hmm. there's always a, oh, this is so amazing. Oh, I'm so grateful for my sixth grader. So you're making a high school? Yeah. Okay, no, this way. <laughs> and so I think that middle school for a very long time has been overlooked oh, in yeah. terms of the, mm-hmm. you know, in the revolution conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Education reform almost always goes early childhood, high school, right? Because it's mm-hmm. going directly into college. And middle school for a long time has been overlooked. Mm-hmm. And so I really feel like, you know, we want to have the perfect widget, right? And mm-hmm. I feel like there's something really, really powerful about revolutionizing the conversation around middle school, how we educate middle schoolers, and what it means to 
fully be expressed in your middle school grades, not survive it, mm, not right. just, you know, go on the other side and have these war stories, but really and truly be seen, be heard and be yourself in middle school, because those those experiences actually help you go into high school in a whole different way. So then college just is a whole different conversation. Yeah. And so if I can make, say, try to answer your question also in two very specific ways. Number one, we're trying to build an academic model that is more effective and more cost efficient. Mm-hmm. That means per pupil cost will be lower than traditional schools, but academic outcomes will be higher. Mm -hmm. If we're able to do that, we believe we've developed a model that can scale and develop in other communities and others across the United States. But we've also, in New York City, we've seen a lot of reform and change where the goal becomes um, the priority as opposed to the process. So what we're trying to do is build a school that can actually justify that expansion. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two is we want some of these core ideas to become diffuse in other middle schools throughout the country. We want to help teachers understand, as Denise was saying before, if you start just with this one idea, that helps. Because right now, Right now, middle schools are dark places for too many of our kids. About 70% of middle schoolers say that their biggest problem is anxiety and depression on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. I cannot underestimate how much our middle schoolers are suffering Mm -hmm. in traditional schools. And we may not talk about it enough but they just push it down into their hearts. It doesn't mean it disappears. Yes. Right, right. So they need these places. And the more, even if it's not our school, the more educators and the more schools who can take some of these core essential ideas for middle school, everybody wins. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I love Denise. Um, and in fact, I'm going to steal, borrow, and borrow. I'll borrow. We'll call it borrowing. Sharing um, and sharing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, revolutionary, revolutionizing middle school. I love that, right? Because it does, it, it, it puts in the mind a catalyst unlike anything we've talked about before. And that is really, to, to, to both your points, that is where we need this conversation, not just to go and be, but to live. Mm-hmm. So I love that very, very much. Um, and I am, in fact, going to borrow that. <laughs> <laughs> um, absolutely, absolutely. You know, one of the things that I always like to do with this program is to to just very uh, upfront recognize that, you know, there are many, many communities around the world that have a thousand different struggles that are unfamiliar to us, no matter where we happen to be. But within that sort of understanding, there's also a universal opportunity to do and be better as it relates to to our children. That's just one of those foundational sort of components of the majority of humanity. And yet we sit in whatever the situation that we have, especially in, um, in systems that are, again, extremely, extremely inflexible. But I've been sitting here listening to Andrew and Denise and I, I've grabbed nuggets, but I'm, I'm afraid 
in my own community for a whole host of reasons. You know, what would you tell that that teacher out there that says, oh my gosh, I want to be just like them. I want to do what I hear them talking about. Because I always like to end the program recognizing that sometimes folks really struggle to figure out how to take what I've heard and, and, and make it granular to my own classroom first so that it can change my own mindset, my own practice, my own interactions with my students and with my families, and that that become a catalyst, um, you know, for something perhaps bigger in my community or my school. Yeah, I always say um, for many years, for about 10 years, I was actually um, a coach and I traveled the country. And oftentimes the very first conversation when I meet teachers is like, oh, yeah, that's that's cute. It won't yeah. work here. Right? Exactly. That's the first yeah. conversation. Yeah. Right. And so Uh the second conversation is, okay, dream again. Right. Because many times we've let go of this ability to dream because we've been heard. We've heard no too many times. Mm -hmm. And so I always say the first thing is dream again. What is it that you really want to do? Right. What is it that you just kind of your secret educator heart of hearts has been like throbbing for. Right. But really quietly in the back, almost like a whisper. So I always say, listen to the whisper. That's number one. Number two, what's one small thing that you can do? What's one small thing that you can do? Is it a pilot? Is it a project? Is it a test? Because oftentimes doing something like an ent- like bringing a whole elephant into a building is probably impossible, but bringing a tiny little iguana might actually happen, right? <laughs> so you want to start with something small. Third, invite someone along. There's nothing like a partner because when I tell you that there have been times where I'm like, uh, and Andrew's like, no, what do you, so let's, let's talk. And so it's just so amazing to have a partner. So dream again, start small, bring a partner. I think that's great. I, I, I mean, I'm inspired. <laughs> but I, I think a very granular thing that I would say to teachers is that my teaching changed when I gave independent time Mm. for students to work on Mm. things that they believed in and cared about. It caused a sea shift culture of my classroom, which transformed my heart and my brain for how I thought about this work. Kids are so used to being automatons that are being pushed Mm -hmm. around Mm -hmm. that it's transformative for them when a teacher says, let's take X amount of time every day, every week, every month, wherever you start, for you to find projects, books, writing, work that you care about and want to build, make, or do, Mm -hmm. that can unlock a student's passion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if I can say one thing to start with, Try to find some space in your classroom for independent work, independent reading, genius hour, something like that Mm -hmm. that can build passion for learning. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. And I think that that truly, truly speaks to the heart of those who desperately want to transform what's not working um, and to embrace all the amazing things that are in fact um, happening in education all across the world. So absolutely. You know, I want to thank you both so much for taking some time out of your day, sharing the amazing work that's happening at uh, the Workshop Middle School. And um, I am putting it on my list as a place I desperately want to come and see live and real um, in action because I think that it's absolutely amazing and just what we need more of um, in the world. So thank you both. Yeah, possible. Can I just say one more quick thing? Absolutely. Which is... um, 
we're about that life. <laughs> and so if you're an educator and you want to learn more about this work or what your might, next steps might be, I'll email you back. I'll hop on a Zoom call with you. I'll spend the time to pay it forward. So if you genu genuinely want to learn and grow, we're here for you. Yeah. Reach out to our school. Reach out to the Innovative Schools Cooperative. We're part of a movement that we want to help reach you and reach your students. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that, Denise. And, and thank you so much for that offer, Andrew. We will make sure when the episode gets posted, it comes with um, the resource link um, back to you and to the school. So thank you so much for that. And thank, thank you both you. for making time today. No thank worries. You. Thank you. It's great to talk. Take, Take care. care. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.